Here we are, friend. Oh man, that was that was I was coming in hot. You want to adjust your levels and try it again? Here we are, friend. <laughs> hey, it's good to see your face, pal. What's uh, what's going on? I'm good. Life is busy, and I'm you're supposed to say, good. You're supposed to say better now. Better now that I can see you. We can see each Aww. other. Our our friends listening can't see us. Well, then we should introduce the show so they know what the heck is going on. This, this is Modern Dadhood, an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. I think this is some of that general insanity. Yeah. what I think is going on. Tonight, you mean? Right now. Yeah. This moment. For sure. Who are you, man? Well, my name is Mark, and I'm a dad to twin boy five-year-olds. You? My name's Adam Flaherty. And my two daughters are nine and six. Man. I know. I know, man. I'm going to do that quick that quick thing, Mark. Where it's going to be so quick. Where we say, for dads and moms listening, uh, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, Pocket Casts, wherever you listen, please uh, give Modern Dadhood a quick rating, a quick review. And, uh, and subscribe if you haven't. And please tell a friend about the show. One friend, even one friend makes a difference. We have a very exciting thing happening in this episode. The, it's the fir- I'm just double checking. This is a first for modern dadhood. Right. What's happening That's right. here. We are having a guest come back. This is their second time on the show. And of course, it's a, an absolutely wonderful guest a great human being a fantastic human being and now a who friend goes, to the show who goes by the name of chris gethard of course <sighs> chris gethard's coming back on the show to talk about his new book called the lonely dad conversations and we'll invite chris gethard into the conversation in just a moment well what's up uh, well, um, you and I haven't chatted for a couple weeks and you know what I was thinking? Here's what I was thinking to keep things short, keep things sweet, but to give ourselves the opportunity to, to catch up. And of course, to give our, our listeners the opportunity to hear what's been going on in our lives. I had a little idea. What if you and I, and you go first. Okay. I want you to describe how your life has been over the last couple of weeks in five words. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were texting about this earlier. You, you bounced oh, this idea. Man, look, you're look, giving well, it away. I, the reason that I'm saying is because I need to provide a little context. Because when you said <laughs> when you suggested it, I was like, "That's a cool idea." And then I got thinking about it, how I would approach this, and I was like, "I wonder if Mark's going to do like five different adjectives that sort like of word period word period exact period." Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Or yeah. if you mm-hmm. were going to, to form a statement, and mine just kind of came to me naturally. As a statement. Oh, let's have it. All right. Five words for how things are going right now. Mm-hmm. Life is going really fast. Ooh. That's mine. It's just going really fast. I feel mm-hmm. like my, my kids are getting really big. Like they're changing a lot. We got a vacation coming up and I just feel like I, I got a lot to 
do in a very short amount of time. It's just coming very quickly. I don't know. Lots of things are developing and it's, it's Mm -hmm. look, there's some very exciting parts of it. There's some very overwhelming parts of it. It just feels like it's, we're just, things are moving. Things are moving a little fast. Yeah. I I know what you, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. What? uh, Give me your five. I'm going to get, here's mine. My mine came out as a sentence also. Oh, good. Okay. COVID the second time sucks. (laughs) Uh, I only just learned before we uh, started recording that you had COVID a second. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it could have been worse, but it was a real bummer. Um, But kind of similar to what you're talking about there. It's like you spend a day or, or two kind of in bed. Yep. You know, in a fog and life is still just, I mean, the kids don't stop, right. You know, work doesn't exactly stop. I try to take a little bit of time off, but, um, you got to try to shake it off and get back into it. But it, it was two days of on the couch watching bad movies, but it kind of also felt like a lifetime Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I tried to get back into the the swing of things. I was like, all right, what's going on everywhere in every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. All right. What's going on? What did I miss? And how on earth am I going to catch up? That's kind of how it's kind of how I still feel. And I'm, I've been on the mend now for four or five solid days. Yeah. In some ways it feels like the last three years have been some sort of strange time warp, but when Mm. you actually are sick and you're in bed and life is still happening out there around you, but you, you know, it's a completely different experience of that, of like losing your sense of time. Yeah. I did allow myself the great joy of just right in the middle of the afternoon. I watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. What a what a great movie. Oh, we should. uh, That was a fun exercise, by the way. The five, the five words, the five word catch up was cool. I like the idea. I liked it. I'm glad you liked it. All right, Chris Gethard's going to drop in in just a couple minutes. Mark, I know that you and I have both been reading his new Scribd original book, The Lonely Dad Conversations. I, I've been really enjoying it. How? What, what's your sort of take on it? How have you been liking it? It's funny. It's insightful. And it's thought provoking. It's sort of everything you expect from Chris Gethard, right? Yeah. It's all. Yeah. He's yeah. naturally hilarious. He surrounds mm-hmm. himself with really funny people, but also yeah. he he gets pretty deep. Like he's not afraid to be vulnerable and to really get into it. About the book, it's a series of interviews. He he gathered a, a, a gaggle of friends and acquaintances, and he sat down and he just interviewed them. And they go, they go places. The, a lot of the interviews are pretty revealing, which is interesting and also you know comforting as well. You know what? I think we should just let Chris join the conversation. Let's bring him in. Chris Gethard is our first returning guest on Modern Dadhood. He's a hilarious, multi-talented dude with 
too many impressive credentials to rattle off here. But at present time, uh, he's active with the awesome podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, and New Jersey is the World. He's about to film his upcoming special, The Father and the Son, which I'm sure we'll be seeing on streaming uh, very soon. And he's joining us once again on Modern Dadhood to chat about his new Scribd original book, The Lonely Dad Conversations. Chris, it's awesome to see you. Awesome to have you back. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to see your face. And uh, I I just need to tell you, so since the last time we spoke, which was, I don't know, like a year, maybe a year and a half ago. uh, So I I, uh, had been wanting to check out Don't Think Twice after hearing you and Mike Birbiglia talk about it on his podcast a while back. We finally watched it. And man, what, what a good film. Thanks. Yeah, it was really fun. It was also weird for me because the premise of that movie, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is what if you were on an improv team and one of your castmates got cast on SNL? And it was very strange for me to act in that film because that did happen. I was on a a team at UCB when Bobby Moynihan got cast on SNL. Okay. Um, All right. So for me, it wasn't a stretch. The acting in that movie wasn't a stretch. Now I want to be clear because some people have said to me like, Oh, that's the story of what happened when Bobby got it. And I go, I mean, there's elements of it in there. Mike gave me a little creative, uh, consultant credit on the film and some of it was because I had lived through something similar and we were able to hash it out. But Bobby and I were never punching each other in the face or (laughs) screaming at each other or or all that stuff. Like Bobby and I remain really great friends to this day. So I'm glad you liked the film. And yeah, for me, I think back and I go, what a weird thing to kind of reenact a stretch of my life. Um, But yeah, those feelings of watching your friends achieve great success while you kind of wonder where you're going to end up. I, they are, they are all too familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was reality. A, it was, a, it was a great film, but how, how, uh, how have things been going since we last caught up? How's Cal doing? How's your family? Uh, you know, ups and downs, as I think all of us would say, if I'm being truly honest, ups and downs, Cal is great. Sweet little guy, funny little guy makes me laugh every day. He's about to turn four. Wow. Man. So he's potty trained, can't wipe his own butt yet, but he can do everything else himself get there uh it's really a great development the potty training um he's cool he pretends he doesn't like school and then his teachers tell us when he actually gets through the door that he loves it his school is like two and a half hours a day okay so i don't know how much that means but he loves to tell me how much he hates school and his teacher's like he's the best kid don't believe him he really responds well so he's good he's good boy makes me laugh how about you guys how are you ups and downs. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, so my kids just turned five recently and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's tumultuous. Like a, a lot of the time I was just telling Adam earlier, this scenario that happened tonight happens all the time. Uh, they got home from school. They were both exhausted. The transition from home to school is always a rocky one. And, uh, <clears throat> they were here for minutes before one of them picked up something and threw it at the head of the other one. Great. Great. Yeah. But you know, but, but the one who got the thing thrown at them was kind of being a jerk right before that. So, but then now he's hit in the head and he's putting on this, this performance. He's a victim now. Yeah. Where he's dropping to his knees and he's screaming bloody murder and the other one's running away. And it just, it happened. These things happen so fast, you know, and my wife and I are sometimes just left looking at each other, looking at each other, like what, who do we, who, which one of these kids do we talk to first? Like yeah, what, yeah. which one of them do we pull aside? Do we let it go? I, th- there's, there's dinner on the stove. 
burning, <laughs> you know, there's just all too often we're in this sort of like moment where we're like, neither of us know what to do right now. That's, that's life right now for me. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. And my girls are nine and six and it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's constantly a lot of like big emotions. And in, for the last like two or three weeks, I don't know if it's the same with you guys, but it's just been like illness after illness. So like mm. constant coughing and sniffling just when I feel like we're, we're getting past it. Like my six-year-old daughter spent the day throwing up today. So I was like, Oh no, dude. It's yeah. It's just one thing after another, but, but we'll get through it. So let's um, get into talking about uh, the book, the reason that you're here. I feel like a lot of your uh, writing lately, your performing lately, it seems to really prominently feature, you know, this fatherhood theme uh, for obvious reasons. Like it's a very important, a big part of your life, but what are you sort of enjoying about that theme being so prominent in your work lately? And how are people kind of responding to that? People are responding well, Although I do have some insecurities about the fact that I was like a very hipster, you know, relevant in Brooklyn for many years. New York press would consistently say that I was cutting edge <laughs> for years. And now I'm doing something that's very much a trope, which is a comedian has a kid and here comes the kid material. But it's, you know, if I'm going to write from a place of honesty, it's what it's going to be about yeah. right now because it's like my whole life hit this brick wall called fatherhood. Hmm. Um, and it's a very happy brick wall to hit, but it's a brick wall, you know, all the momentum of everything else stops and at best revolves around it now. So it is what it is. Um, one of the things that's creatively been very compelling to me that shows up a little bit in the lonely dad conversations shows up even more in the standup is understanding my own father a lot more than I ever have. Hmm some things that didn't make sense when they were happening to me or things that maybe caused me some questioning or anxiety or stress that I look back on now and I go, Oh, I, how weird to be 39 when my son was born and all of a sudden go, wait, I completely get these things that seemed baffling to me 35 years ago, mm -hmm. 25 years ago. I get it now. Oh my goodness. That's what it was. He was scared or nervous or flying by the seat of his pants. And I, how could you ever know that until you're also living it? So that's a side of things that I think is maybe a little less cliche. I think, um, as someone who's like perpetually always felt a little bit like an introvert and lonely, I think a lot of my work over the years is clearly, you know, you look at beautiful anonymous. It's me having phone calls with other people. It's me just basically trying to make friends. Yeah. Like, my old public access show that turned into a cable show was we took phone calls all the time and I was just constantly like, if I feel weird, if you're weird, call and we could be weirdos together. So the TLDR, it's like fatherhood infects my work. And I, within it, I do try to find some angles that other people maybe haven't beaten to death before and yeah. always trying to look for the deeper cut with all my work to just go, what's, what's the stuff other people aren't thinking about? What's the take on it? that other people haven't gotten to yet that other people wouldn't see. I mean, just, just out of curiosity, like I'm assuming you've got a fan base that has some younger folks in it that maybe are not parents yet. And I'm, I wonder how they're kind of reacting to some of this material. Do you ever kind of get feedback? Like, do you, <laughs> like f from that yeah. section, you know, from that part of the audience, like, are they connecting with it? Like maybe in, in their own way or. You ever, you ever talked to, to fans great about that? It's a really great question, and it's a really astute observation. And, you know, I've come to realize culturally I've 
my whole life, it was always like, even growing up, I was always the little kid tagging along with my brother and the older mm -hmm. kids and simultaneously the oldest kid amongst people younger than me. I've always walked that line. Mm -hmm. My work kind of walks that same line where it's perpetually been, I look back at my old public access show and I was the guy who was 31 and there were 22 year olds watching it really identifying mm -hmm. with Beautiful Anonymous started when I was 37 and there were 45 year olds who were really into it. And now I'm about to turn 43 and they're in their fifties and they really like it. So I've never totally managed to find a fan base. That's exactly my age. Yeah. It's always, they're a little younger than me looking at me from one direction or a little older looking at the other. And I've had many frustrated agents who have said like, if we could just put all the people who like your separate things together, you'd have a really great reliable <laughs> fan base yeah, but funny. and i will say some of the younger some of the younger people who knew me as like the the wild public access experimental guy they have moved on with their lives mm. they're they're not here yet they're 29 they're 30 now they're doing molly and staying up all <laughs> night in brooklyn and doing the things you do when you're 29 and i'm an old guy to them now and i'm lamer and cheesier but i do have great confidence that in five years they're going to find my more recent mm -hmm. work and they're going to go, yeah. Oh, okay. Now we really get it. Now we really get it. And, and that's going to be great because the work that you're putting out and, and lonely dad conversations, by the way, is so great. And with, this is what I look forward to for the people who are maybe right now staying up late and doing Molly, but we'll hopefully find this in five years. It's like, it's a real honest, open look from a bunch of dudes talking about being dads, which is the thing that doesn't exist enough out there in the world. There's plenty of books of like, I have a bunch of them on the shelf right back here of like, whatever, this is, this is the best way to, to talk to a toddler. This is make sure like, you know how to swaddle your baby. Yeah. Here's how to potty yeah. train. Right. There's a lot of yeah, those tons of those books, but this like a book that you can open up and dive right into what, is just a conversation between two people tr trying to figure things out <laughs> and talk and talk about things like feelings and emotions. I just don't think ha happens as much. So uh, I really hope that these, these people uh, eventually put the, put the Molly down for a few minutes uh, in the <laughs> future so. uh, and check it out. And I'm glad you liked it. I'm, it's very nice. Everything you just said. I also want to, make sure people listening there know I didn't anticipate this one being what it was. Mm. And I was actually really excited about it because some of these people are other people who come from comedy and entertainment. Some of these people are people who just lived down the block from me. Some are people I grew up with. They're from many different walks of my life. And the thing that was really exciting when I was writing the book was how many of them started bringing things up, even though they've never met. And even though they're extremely different people, that's when I started to realize, Oh, like, we are in the middle of a huge cultural shift right now. And a lot of that cultural shift is looking at things like, you know, does masculinity mean the same thing as it did in the eighties, in the nineties, mm -hmm. in the, you know, let alone in the fifties when the sitcom dad kind of like set the tone for everything mm -hmm. after for a lot of us who consider ourselves sort of sane, rational people who go, I don't want to have to be like a tough guy, emotionally distant dad. I want to tell my kid, I love them. I want that. Like, Okay, but how do you do it? Because it's not really been the standard for right. most of us up until right now. So we are sort of right now, those of us with youngins, 
kind of the first wave of dads who have to go like, well, if we unwrap all that Cold War rhetoric and if we start trying to figure out how to let that go, that's great. But what do you do instead? Because this hasn't totally been an example up until now. And I realize there's a lot of guys struggling with it, you know, whether that's other artist friends of mine or whether that's just other dudes from Jersey. There's a lot of people going, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of messing with my head and I don't totally know what the expectations are. So what's interesting about what you just said, Chris, is that we all sort of grew up, the three of us anyway, in the in the same time period. And yeah, so maybe our parents didn't, you know shower us with um with love it wasn't and we didn't you know openly talk about our feelings and things like that and we weren't having like direct conversations the way we do but like we weren't taught to do that with our kids i feel like it just is sort of instinctual so like what i wonder is you know where does where does that come from if i wasn't taught to approach my daughter when she's crying about something and sit her down and say like, let's just talk about it. Like, it's all right to cry, like have your feelings and, you know, um, talk to me about it. Like if that wasn't my experience, then why intrinsically do I do that with my own kids? Yeah. It's a huge question. Right. And it's, it's probably some massive mix of we're all rejecting the hustle culture. Like, we all saw the damage of that and don't want to buy into it. You know, I'm sure the pandemic has accelerated it in so many ways, even weird cultural shifts. Like he's, he's, he produced a special of mine. He's been a mentor to mine, but like you can look at Judd Apatow movies and start to see when it was like, Oh, these movies are, you know, now it, we forget like, this is men letting their guard down. This mm-hmm, guy's yeah. 40 talking with other male friends about being a virgin. Mm-hmm. Ha, 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 <laughs> yeah. ha. Men talking about feelings. That felt yeah. like this huge shift in pop culture just to have like a movie where men let their guard down. That was like not that long yeah. ago, you know? So it's been bubbling to the surface and it's, I wish I was smart enough to be able to say why, but I, I, I mostly just feel the whiplash of having been mm-hmm. through it. I mean, even when you look at, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm 42 years old and I think back, I get so sad because I go, man, there are kids I went to high school with who have come out since high school, but there wasn't one. When I tell you there wasn't one kid I remember who was actually out of the closet in all four years of high school, I'm not exaggerating. I think it's the same with me. I think it's... And I sit here, that's not, that's a thought we can't fathom. Mm -mm. A high school kid today could not fathom that. And look, we have a long way to go. I'm I'm not trying to sit here with two other white guys and talk about how great the world is now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There's a long way to go. We all know it. But some of the barriers that have come down between our school experience and our kids are, are, they moved at light speed in a really great way. But it does feel a little bit like we're all sort of standing in the rubble of what was trying to figure out how to raise kids in this better world that we haven't totally nailed down the parameters of yet. Right. Yeah. Like the, the one thing that we don't know is what the, our kids, how they're going to take all of these experiences. And then when they become parents, turn around and look at their kids and, and how are they going to process, you know, you'd like to think it's positive because we're here talking about trying to be positive and open and talking about, you know, feelings and being, present, you know, but we don't really know, you know, 
how this experiment is going to sort of end up until that crew sort of gets there yeah. and then goes through that that scenario uh, that we're talking about. You know, I was just going to say you have a really actually a really great quote in the book specifically about that on like how the role of the father has evolved and, and is constantly evolving. And and you say of the, uh, the dads of our parents generation, you say, I don't fault them. They did their best, but it's on modern day dads to adjust the levels of all these things to do something that feels more fitting for our kids in the world they're growing up in. And of course our kids are someday going to have to unwrap all the nonsense we hand to them, which I think Mark is sort of what you just kind of summarized. Yeah. 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 Like we, it, it's going to be sad to realize, man, we're putting in all this work and we're all like so active right now. Like we got to shift things and make this better. And they're, they are just going to turn around when they're all shitty 15 year olds and be uh-huh. like, fuck you they will want nothing like, to do with us yeah yeah and they're all going to go to therapy and talk about us and the ways we <laughs> messed up like, it's inevitable but at least they can go to therapy like that's right. another yeah there's another thing we didn't talk about back in the day at least now we can joke about them going to yeah. therapy so that's progress i guess we can at least joke about how they'll you know be complaining about us yeah. in therapy instead of all of us ignoring therapy in general who knows is that progress i think it's, I think it's progress it's funny i i mean this is just anecdotal but like i kind of credit my ability to be open emotionally with, with friends and, and my wife and, and my family and kids and stuff, because I went through a, a, a traumatic experience. I had a traumatic situation that happened when I was 15 years old. And long story short, I ended up going to therapy for do, a little while. Do I know about this? I've known you for a long time, Mark, Maybe. and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> It is very mysterious. Yeah. I'm only being mysterious because I don't want to take us down a whole path. <laughs> it's fine. But, um, but like, um, I murdered someone. No, it, hasn't, it's not, it was not. Uh, no, my bro- my brother's accident. But so I have a brother that's in a in a wheelchair. But in 1998, mm-hmm. he had he he was uh, he was abled before that. He had an accident and became disabled. And then we were kind of thrust into this situation where. Uh, we needed to figure out how to communicate with one another. And as a byproduct, I ended up going to therapy and that opened me. It just opened me up. You know, it just, it just gave way to this, like, Oh, you can talk about these things and feel better. Just that connection, you know, to, to me is just something that completely changed the, the, the course of, of my life. So, and it's, I mean, first of all, that's a sad story and I'm so sorry. And I will say culturally, it is just, there's also something to point out of like, oh, in the late 90s, you had a reason that was very definitive and people weren't going to judge or make fun of the fact that you weren't there. Everybody right. was going to go, of course, right. you know, and that was, you know, that was a barrier that I think a lot of us felt. And uh, I don't think moving forward, that's going to be nearly as much of yeah. a thing yeah. at all, at all. One would, would hope. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would hope so. So one of the first things that stuck that jumped out to me. These, there were so many great nuggets that sort of jumped out and were really thought provoking, but there was a story with a, a person whose name is Keith. My notes in my notes, I wrote party guy in parentheses. Yeah. He loved <laughs> partying. Really did legitimately love staying out. Funny. I can't even, it makes me tired to even think about and when I was reading that section, I started to think of how important it is that you have to have something that's yours that you love that you can try to continue in some way, shape or form, right? Something that's not kids, something that's not work. And yes, you know, especially towards the beginning, right? You have to put 
your own needs to the side. You know, there's just the the logistics don't even allow for it when you first get home from the hospital and you're trying to keep this thing alive for the first year of its life and you're completely exhausted and it's hard to have a hobby at that that time, you know, but I think it's really important. I think it's really important to, to get to get back to something like that, because I think if you I started thinking, like, if you lose a sense of yourself along the way, I think ultimately in the long run, you're just going to have that much harder of a time taking care of your kids. How does that strike you? You know, like, what's your take on that? I think it's really true, you know, and I think uh, until you can get back to some of those things that give you a sense of self, like, how is your household going to feel like it has a firm foundation, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it just that's that uphill climb phase. I think I remember at one point having like a real bad night where I look back and I'm so embarrassed where I got so sad that I didn't get to go see an <laughs> Avengers movie because I've mm-hmm. loved Marvel comics. I've loved Marvel comics since I was seven years old and I used to go and see them all. I was like, I'm not going to see Avengers at the theater. And my wife had to break it down and just be like, no, <laughs> like, no, of course not have time to go see a three hour movie right now. Like he was a few, he was like two or three months old and you realize, but if you can't get back to that, yeah, then you're just, I mean, it's, you're, it's not a well-rounded situation. And how is that good for a kid? Yeah. Right. At some point you got to be able to just get a babysitter and go see that man. <laughs> gotta see it. And that's, that's right. Like that's the type of thing of like, I used to be there on opening yeah. night. It's like not anymore. Right. That's right, for right. less tired Matinees. people. That's for less tired people who organize their own schedules. Yeah. Matinee just doesn't have the same kind of cool sort of ring to it as opening night. Those days are done, but you find that middle ground, right? I hope you and your friend, uh, Greg had this fascinating exchange about, uh, how becoming a dad made him start contemplating his own death a lot. Yeah. That one blew my mind. I'm glad you, I'm glad that one yeah. jumped out. Well, it, that one it jumped out of me. me because I, I could relate to that one. It wasn't like the moment I became a dad, I started, you know, the thinking that the clock was ticking, but something about having kids just put the rest of my life into some kind of perspective. And it made me think about the choices I made in terms of like, when I do go out and do things separate from my family that are just like to preserve my sense of self, it's hard to explain. And I, it is a combination of the sort of selfish part of, I don't want to die, you know, because I want to watch my kids grow up and, you know, share in this sort of like loving and fun experience and the adventures, but it's also, I don't want to die because I want to be able to support my family and help provide for my kids and, and for them to have a dad. I wonder, um, reading it in text. Um, it's not the same as, as being there in person. When you were talking to Greg about this stuff that, you know, you said it blew your mind. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Well, one of the things that's important for anybody listening to this that, I mean, certainly I'm sure a lot of the people who listen are, are parents and they will understand this is he wasn't morose and he wasn't melancholy. He was like, yeah, like a lot of the book was me going to different friends and just saying like, I felt this weird thing that was akin to loneliness. Did you feel it? And his response was like, it wasn't loneliness for me. He's like, I know what you felt for me. I just started really dwelling on death, mm-hmm. but he wasn't saying it like mm-hmm. with fear. You immediately have this feeling that there's more of a purpose now mm-hmm. and it doesn't extend just to you. And like, you start to realize like life isn't a hundred meter dash. It's a relay race. And like, 
someone passed you a baton and you get to pass someone else the baton now. And it's this long, lengthy, cyclical thing. And it ends. And there was someone who passed my dad the baton that I only knew as my grandfather, who was like an elderly man. And he was a baby once. And now I see ba- a baby. And then there were people before him. So many people as these things split that just kept passing each other the baton. And you get this sense of like, oh, I'm I'm linked in with this thing that has more to do with time and space than I ever knew. And I totally understood what you meant of like, you, you start to think about your own death, but in a way where it's kind of like exciting, hmm. not like you want death, but where you're like, oh, I, the idea of the end has a different context now. And it, it makes me laugh to think about how it hmm. ends. And it makes me excited to think about how it kind of doesn't end because this person's here now. Yeah. yeah. You sort of have to like strip away the emotion of it and think of how devastating it is when you lose somebody you care about and more look at it as like, I I don't know, you you almost look at it from like, you you know, objectively from, I don't know. It's hard to wrap your head around it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but the great, the stuff with Greg and death, I remember that I was actually one of the early moments where I was like, oh, there's way more to this idea of these interviews than I thought because I thought it was really fascinating. The, 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 t- the measurement of time thing, that's, that's, that's what started to hit me. I never, you know, before I, you know, before kids, I never really thought about my time on the planet. You know, I, I always just understood that I was this very small, ultimately incredibly insignificant little thing in this very big world on this very long time scale, you know? And I just, so like, whatever, make, make the most of what you've got. And then after kids, slowly, though, I started feeling that time was going by. I guess the only way I can sort of explain yeah. it. I never felt that time was moving by and that I was, you know, getting older until a, maybe a couple of years into, into to having kids. I could, I could all of a sudden just feel the days and the months and the years going, going by. 100%. You know, it's a weird thing. <laughs> Pleasant and unpleasant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's both at the same time. So this happened last time we had Chris on the show. It is such a rich conversation that we just can't fit it all into one episode. So in our next episode, we'll feature part two of this amazing chat with Chris Gethard. In the meantime, do yourself a favor and click on the link in our episode notes. Check out the Lonely Dad Conversations on Script. Uh, Mark. Adam? Mark, quick recurring segment before we close out the episode. You know, it just so happens I have one. Which one is it? We have a very well-known and well-loved segment called Did I Just Say That Out Loud? Hold on, and, hold on, uh, hold sorry, on. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> a well-known segment called Did I Just Say That Out Loud? Thank you. But this, this is the, the sub-segment okay. of Did I Just Say That Out Loud? Hold on. This is a sub-segment of? This is a sub-segment of <laughs> Did I Just Say That Out Loud? And it's called... Did I just hear that out loud? You didn't put this into the world. You heard, presumably, one of your wife or one of the boys. Okay, I heard my wife say this. Okay, uh, and, and and it was it was today. In fact, um, we we were. Uh, it is March, and we were at the beach. 
Okay. Okay. Listen, just going to set the scene just a little bit. Here's what I heard out loud. She said, she said, hands in pockets were staring at the water and she said, they're going to be miserable, but it's worth it for right now. <laughs> Cause they were getting soaked. Cause they were, so it was, it's March. We were at the beach and the, the boys were just like, you know, they had like hiking shoes mm-hmm. and like, and socks and jeans and like puffy jackets. Oh, yeah. Cause it was cold and they were just running out into the water, like up to their knees yeah. and just kicking and splashing and having the best time. And for a little while, when it first started, my wife and I were like, we need to probably need to stop this. Yep. But, but, but they were over there. Yep. Having a good time. And we were way over here having a nice little time ourselves. And so we stopped, we stopped worrying and we just, we just let it be. But you know, 20, 25 minutes later and they are soaking wet. Oh yeah. That just came, that just came out of my wife's mouth. And that was when we were like, maybe, maybe we need to sort of shut this down and get back into the car. Did you have the moment later when you were, when they're in the car soaking wet and just miserable? You know, it, it, it never got quite as miserable as I anticipated it to get. But, uh, my one son in particular, his, uh, his undies got a little wet. Yeah. And so we, we would let him take, you know, we, we'd crank the heat. And we let him take the pants and the socks and the shoes and stuff off and just be, you know, pantless in the car mm-hmm. right on the way home. But my son, uh, my one son's under, uh, underwear was wet and it was bothering <laughs> the hell out of him. He sure couldn't was. stop Salt complaining water. about it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like trying to, he's in his car seat. He's trying to reach back there and just like scratch of course he is. and pull and tug at it. And yeah, it was pretty funny, but you know, I don't know. There's that little, there's that little piece of me that's like, you know, I, enjoying that a little bit as annoying as it was, I was kind of enjoying it because, you know, we said a couple of times, like you're, you're not going to be super happy if you get very wet yeah. right now, but they didn't listen. And you know, whatever that is, called, made it, that is the definition of Schadenfreude, right? Schauden, Schadenfreude. I think. Yeah. We've had that ex- same experience so many times. My girls, you know, we go to the beach and it doesn't matter what the season is. They cannot not get soaked. No. Got to go in the water. Yeah, it's just a thing. And that Jamie, check it, huh? That Jamie. She's a good one. That She's a good egg, that Jamie. She's a good mom. She's a good partner to you. Here, I you didn't ask for my opinion, uh-huh. but I think you should keep her around. Let's compliment each other's wives really quick. <laughs> <laughs> this should be a new segment, actually. Wait, let's pause. Let's pause on this. We should actually do, a, we should actually make a new segment where we just compliment each other's wives. <laughs> Just one compliment. (laughs) It's like a little weird. Yeah. Let's close it out. You know, I'll kick it off because I got it all right here, right off the dome, the old dome. Thanks for listening to Modern Dadhood. You can find us on such platforms as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen and wherever you listen. Give us a rating. Give us a review challenge you to tell a friend about the show you can find us on instagram facebook linkedin adam tells me we have a tiktok i haven't seen it yet I, there's some controversy here around tiktok oh. i might just uh uh detonate our tiktok page <laughs> <laughs> well well find us on tiktok while you can 
Go to the website too, because every episode of Modern Dadhood can be found there. You can hit the shop button and uh, buy yourself or a, a friend or a spouse a uh, Modern Dadhood t-shirt or dad oh, hoodie. Every order so ships with a free sticker. Mm-hmm. And also there's a contact form. You can contact us uh, or just email us at hey at moderndadhood.com. Thank you to Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Albee for the music that you hear on Modern Dadhood. Thanks to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio. That's redvaultaudio.com for, um, well, he does the mixing and the fading and the turning and the, and the, and the dialing in of the, he does all of that stuff and he makes us sound pretty, I don't know, velvety. I'd like to thank Chris Gethard oh, for yeah. being a, a wonderful guest again. Please remember that our next episode will feature part two of this chat about the Lonely Dad conversations. And in the meantime, definitely check it out on Scribd. Either read it or listen to the audiobook version. It will not disappoint. And finally, <clears throat> I don't want to screw this up, man. <clears throat> I think you'll be all right. Thank you for listening. Thank you.